Welcome to Part in the Confusion. I'm your host, Paul Arnold. I'm joined again by Ernest Watts. Ernest and I have done this podcast for Part in the Confusion more than any other combo in the history of Part in the Confusion. This is a sports podcast. This is a cultural entertainment podcast. Any other descriptions you want to give, Ernest, for this podcast? Uh, uh chain of thought i don't know um cultural's good i like that i was gonna ask how many do you, you you said that like you knew how many we'd done i do so this is the second generation you know like star trek has first generation second generation and all the other spinoffs we had a first generation called the great american man podcast that ernest and i started Oh, three years ago, and we did that for a while, and so then I thought, maybe we need to specify this a little bit and go to a different format. So we did probably about 80 of those, Ernest, and when we started Pardon the Confusion, that was 164 episodes. We're 165 into Pardon the Confusion. So that's real quick, like 100 to 245, 240-something? Yeah, we've done over 200 podcasts in the last So we're years. not in the Mendoza range anymore. <laughs> Batting average is getting higher. For those of you under the age of 60. Yeah, that's the trouble with our podcast. We have to keep on explaining our old man references. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, George Brett came out with the Mendoza line, which is 200. And he, you know, he was saying if you batted below 200 and you were a player in the field, not a pitcher... That was the uh, that was the mark. That was the mark of Kane, I guess. Uh, that was a, a mark that you weren't a complete baseball player, and it was named after a shortstop with the Pittsburgh Pirates named Mario Mendoza, whose lifetime average I think was two eleven. But he made the big leagues. Yeah, he made the big. But back then in the seventies and sixties, you had guys like Dow Maxfield that batted under two hundred. You had uh, uh, Freddie Patek who was a favorite of David Letterman, who would make fun of him all the time. You had all these lousy hitting shortstops. Ray Euler for the Detroit Tigers in the 60s. Eddie Brinkman, who was a third baseman. Yes. Fine fielding third baseman, but could not field. Well, Euler had to actually be replaced in the World Series by Mickey Stanley, who was a center fielder for the Tigers in the 68 World Series. And Roy Euler, who Jim Bouton talks about in the book, Ball four is the ugliest, second ugliest man in baseball. And who is the ugliest? Andy Etcheberry. Oh, the catcher for the Orioles. Catch for the Orioles and Phillies. Yeah, I think Andy Etcheberry had a lot of problem acne growing up. I think that was part of the, the he, issue. He, he had Bluto face. If you remember Bluto from Popeye. That bearded kind of... That's old man reference shadow. number 10 already, folks. Yes, well, we've lost everybody in the age of 20 anyway now. <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean, me and my dad used to watch Orioles and Phillies games, and there was two catchers for the Phillies, and Andy Etchburn with the other one. Was guy, I love this guy by the name of Clay Dyrimple, and the running joke was, every time Clay Dyrimple came to bat, the bases were loaded, and the count was 0-2, and he would strike out every time. You know, he'd been the leadoff batter and still the bases. Mm. We don't know how they pulled that off. Hey, well, we're when we're talking about baseball, really quick, and this is why it's called Pardon the Confusion, we just let the flow go. So uh, I was watching, I know, don't judge me for this, Antique Roadshow th- last night, and they had a, a old baseball that was still muddy. And the guy was explaining that his grandfather played baseball um for the Dodgers, and then he went to Minneapolis to play for a minor league team, and he was up to bat, and he was a short guy, and it was a rainy day, and he hit the ball as hard as he could, but it went straight into the mud in front of the home plate. 
he knew it went in there, but everybody else is looking in the air. Where is it? Or the field. So he starts running around the whole bases. He scores, and it was put in the history books as the shortest home run in history. And as the legend goes, he got to home place, bent over, grabbed the ball out of the mud, and then he took it to the uh, post office, put the address of his mother on there in a stamp, and mailed it to his mom. So there you go. Baseball is great yep. for stories like that. And back then, the postal system actually delivered the mail on time. Can yeah. I say that out loud? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Postal service. A lot of kids, what is a stamp? I don't know what a yes, stamp yes. is. What is mail? You mean email, right? What yeah. is this? Yeah. Well, right now, your beloved Braves are playing the Phillies, and the <laughs> Phillies have to win, sweep them, I think, to even have a chance to get into the uh, major league playoffs this year. Your Braves have been amazing. Do you think their general manager should get um, general manager of the year? For the trades and the pickups, and then maybe if he bought, if he got some bullpen help, maybe that would help. Uh, they've been extremely lucky. Uh, he's done a pretty good job. He used to be the GM for the uh, Blue Jays. And, of course, the former uh, GM had to leave because he was paying illegal payments to non-drafted players from the Caribbean at that time. So, I mean, they've lost a lot of talent. They're going to get killed if they get in the playoffs. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the more enticing thing that I'm waiting for is if the Dodgers actually finish in the wild card. Because to me, that's the only way the Dodgers won't win the World Series is if they get in a wild card game against the Cardinals. And let's say Adam Wainwright, who's 250 years old, beats them in a, you know, one game, anything can go. You know, there's a luck factor to it. Now, the Dodgers get in a series, they've got the five best starting pitchers in baseball. But if you get them in a one-game playoff, that's really the only way I see the Dodgers not winning the World Series. Well, no so it's doubt. If, if, I mean, nobody would have picked Frisco to win the National League West at the beginning of the year. Can you name five players off the Giants? Not even close. And who would have thought that the Dodgers would lose Bauer for all the bad reasons you probably already know about, folks. But to pick up Max Scherzer just says the luxury tax is really no deterrent. If you want to win bad enough and you get the money, you just pick up a Cy Young winner and, and just roll ahead. Uh, besides the Dodgers, who do you think has the best chance out of the AL? You know, the Yankees pitching worries worries me. The Red Sox hitting worries me. Everybody's saying the White Sox, but but again with them, it's the first time in the playoffs. Don't be shocked. I mean, I think we're going to get a replay World Series, something that we've seen in the last five years. I wouldn't be surprised to the Astros in the World Series with the Dodgers. Not the Rays? Mm, the Rays kind of worry me because starting pitching, they've had two starting pitchers out for the year. Chris Archer's out, and their, their other best pitchers out. I just think the Astros have been such low-key, and everybody's forgotten about the sign-stealing that I wouldn't be shocked to see the Astros slip in. They've filled in with some great young talent. Uh, Miles Straw has been playing center field. Kyle Tucker, who's a kid I got to see here in the minor leagues play, left-handed hitter, and he's like fifth in, in total on-base percentage. He's been playing real. And that's it. They've supplied themselves a lot of young talent. So I wouldn't be shocked. Their pitching is a little questionable also. 
but the Astros could easily get in the World Series with the Dodgers again. Maybe give the Dodgers a chance for a little retribution. Well, this is a good time of the year. You got the NFL heating up. You got college fall, football, very interesting. And baseball is really fun this time of year as well. And we look at the MVP candidates this year. I think Otani's running away with it in the American League. But in the National Really? League, you don't think Guerrero doesn't deserve it? Particularly if the no, Blue Jays get no, the playoffs? Otani doing both pitching and hitting makes him more valuable to the Angels than even Guerrero for the Blue Jays. And Blue Jays, I, I don't know. I think they're one year away from being fantastic. But Guerrero um, could, could get the triple crown. I mean, you remember when that used to be a big thing? It was still is a big thing. If he gets a triple crown, then you I don't think he's going to get it, though. Um, but I was going to go National League. People are saying Harper is pretty much a lock because he's playing meaningful games versus Soto. Do you buy that argument? You know, I would have said Votto up to about two weeks ago. The Reds kind of died in that respect. I mean, the, the Dodgers have so many players, and I'm really having a great year. The Brewers, again, they have great pitching. They don't have that singular star that you're looking for. You may have to go with Harper. You might be correct in that respect. I know Bryce, I give him a lot of grief because I think sometimes he just uh, is too much about himself. But I think this year he's really tried hard to be a complete player. He just has so much talent and he came in so young. It's hard to have that combination and not be... uh, I guess hard to be likable. Sometimes he's hard to like. Um, plus, he, he married a girl from Ohio State. What am I, you know? What's going to do with that? You know, the one player that that really should get the MVP for the American League, but's not getting a sniff because he's leading the league in in RBIs. He's tied with Otani with home runs. He set a record for the most home runs ever by a catcher. Salvador Perez for the Kansas City Royals is having an historical year. And you hear nothing about it whatsoever. This is a guy that historically, I mean, he hit twenty to thirty home runs, but never had a never had a career like this. I mean, it really is outstanding. And again, I know Kansas City's got a losing record; they're not in the playoffs. But you know, you almost wish to have a MVP and a Player of the Year award. Two separate types of things. So this is when I do the cross-promotional plug for Boys of Summer, the other podcast that I do. And we talked about Salvi versus Johnny Bench. Johnny Bench, uh, back in 1971, hit 45 home runs when he was only 26 years old. And he was surrounded by the big red machine. Great players all around him. And But here you have Perez doing it with a weak lineup. Uh, and he caught 120 games this year. And he did it at age 31. Uh, so I really think that both accomplishments are huge because a catcher wearing down their body over the years. And Salvi's a good defensive player too. And Perez, I mean, excuse me, um, Johnny Bench is such a class guy. There's a really cool short video out where, where Johnny Bench is talking to Salvi and just a lot of respect and humor and things like that. So I think it's a, it's really good for baseball. This is a great story. And um, yeah, you're right. He for what he did was amazing, but is most valuable player just about statistics or how you pushed your team to go to another level because you're great? Well, there's historical precedence for guys on losing teams winning MVP. Andrew Dawson's probably the most the most example most people point towards when he was in the, the Cubs were a last place team. 
And it used to be MVP was usually you looked at who drove in the most runs. That was, but now we're getting into replacement uh, average, on base percentage, run place. I mean, we're looking at all so many statistics. They're kind of looking at it in that respect. To me, he's having a bigger year than Otani. You know, in the aspect of looking, I know Otani's pitching and all that, but to me, Perez has been more directly affecting how that team has done, and he doesn't exactly play in a in a hitter's ballpark. I mean, Casey's always been oh, a pitcher's right. ballpark. Yeah, it's hard to hit there. And you said the best player on the team, Soler, uh, got traded to the Braves, so they had no one behind him. They could have pitched around him all year long. Uh, again, it's it's truly an amazing and and again, baseball this time of the year, rightly or wrongly, we focus on the pennant races and guys who have accomplished great things, historical things. We tend to forget in that respect. I don't. I see Otani just didn't have a complete year to me. He had times when he was cold as ice. I mean, I know it's it's the circus factor of him pitching and batting at the same time. You know, no one's done it since Babe Ruth. But, but to me, are the Angels any better? I mean, the same. The Angels are the same old Angels. I mean, that the the real best player's been out the entire year. Yeah, Some I think you're underestimating hurt. that nobody's done this before, and be that good in pitching and that good in uh, batting too is pretty amazing. And just when he's hot, non, he's amazing. I don't know. I think you wish you could give a couple different awards, but. I want to talk, switch gears a little bit and go to the NFL. While we both think this is going to be one of our shorter uh, podcasts, maybe around 40 minutes today. But um, week one in NFL, Ernest, what do you think people were talking more about? Matthew Stafford or Drew Brees' hair? (laughs) Uh, Week one, they were talking about Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, because they got blown out by the Saints. I mean, this has been such a schizophrenic first three weeks. But, yeah, you know, Bruce, Drew Brees went to LeBron James Stylus. That's all that happened. That's where the hair appeared from. Uh, or, 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 well, Joe Biden Stylus, too, because when Joe was my senator, he didn't have that much hair. That's, that's not unusual. Uh, again, you, you got to. The Steelers were the biggest mistake, the biggest, the biggest team, the biggest disappointment. Yet they blew away a Bills team, which looks like the second best team in the AFC. The Chiefs are a last place team. Let me say that again. The Chiefs These are, are last, place, last team. place team. <laughs> the Cardinals, the Broncos, and the Panthers are in first place. Now, it may not last long, so you better take a picture of it. I mean, it's, and it's going to be such a long season, I mean, an extra week long, that we're very seeing how injuries are affecting a lot of these teams. I don't know who the best teams are. I know who the worst three teams are. Yeah, it's been entertaining so far. I've enjoyed watching it. And Aaron Rodgers, this course, says, relax. we got a long season. And he won a, a predictable game against Detroit. And then he won a close game against the 49ers. Um, and I always love it when they look at, they do a close shot of Aaron Rodgers, and then they pan to the Packers executives. And Al Michaels basically blasted the executives because he said, you know, when Aaron Rodgers gives a press conference, he just is straight out, this is the way it is. And it was just really refreshing. 
But the game I'm really looking forward to. Can you guess? Well, well, well before, you, before you leave that game, how long before Trey Lance is starting quarterback for the 49ers? I would say in two games. I mean, it's just a different team, especially when you get in the red zone. There's so many different things he can do. You know, it's just a period of time. Garoppolo will be probably the Colts quarterback by this time next year. might be by the end of the season. But go ahead. I know. Let me guess. Which game are you going to? It's either Rams and Bucks or Lions and Ravens. Well, I was going to skip a week and just go to this next week. I'm really looking forward to seeing Brady against Belichick. I know they're not going to be on the field at the same time hitting each other or anything like that. But this has so much interesting stuff going on. you got Gronk and Brady coming back. Gronk's a little beat up. Brady's very, very motivated after losing last week. Um, and you got Belichick, who just he grumbles so bad. I love the press conference where they asked him about a score against a cornerback or something like that. And he didn't say anything, didn't say anything, said, well, I saw the same thing you saw. And then he just stopped. It was so perfect Belichick he's so mad so I I just want to see the dynamics of that game and I think Brady's going to come out and just whoop him I'm not so sure I'm not so sure I mean this is Belichick's Super Bowl uh that's a pretty good defense out there and they're gonna you know how do you stop Brady how did how did the Rams do it you put pressure on him you make him uncomfortable. You don't give him time to throw the ball. And you go man-to-man on your defense. You can't go zone because he's going to pick a zone apart. You can't go too deep. You can't go zone. You're going to have to go man-to-man. You're going to have to take chances. You're going to have to send more than five guys to him and not give him the time to sit back and throw. But do you don't think he's going to burn th- them on blitzes, on, on slant patterns? Uh, not if you remember now, Belichick is the master of walking 11 guys to the line of scrimmage and you don't know who's coming and who's not going. And he has a mobile defense where he starts all linebackers, safeties and corners. He takes all the down, down linemen out. I think he is, I think he will look at this as a challenge. And, and I also think, I heard someone give an interview that Brady had stated the only thing left for him was an undefeated season. And I think there's going to be a little bit of a hangover from losing this game. That was the one thing he had not accomplished that came so close to against the Giants that he wanted to do a perfect season. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a hangover effect. Um, and I think Belichick will have something for them. Do I think the Bucks will win? Yeah, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. You're probably and right. It, it's going to be really interesting, the game management and trying to throw off Brady. But there's a lot of motivation going around. And just the fan reaction to Brady coming back to Gillette Field will be really interesting. Um, so, yeah, that's well, it. He enjoys being the villain, so he doesn't mind. I don't think that's going to be fake. I think, again... Belichick's going to put pressure on him. And will there be late hits on him? Yeah, there'll be at least two late hit on quarterback penalties on the Patriots. I have no doubt. Is that going to push the envelope a little bit? Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'm not going to say you're going to try and maim him, but they're going to get him a little jumpy and move around a little bit. 
I don't yeah. think Belichick will have a problem giving up 15 yards a couple times if that makes Brady get rid of the ball a little bit faster. Yeah, I, I think other tre- teams have tried. Uh, I, I still think that um, Brady's very motivated. I think they'll win by at least 14. I think it'll be closer. I mean, like I said, you follow the example of what the Rams did. You look at teams, look at the team. The only team that was really successful, they didn't beat them, but kept it close to the playoffs was a team with the best front four, and that was Washington. First round of the playoffs last year. Yeah. yeah. And I think the, the corners being out hurts. I mean, the injuries in Tampa Bay's defensive backfield, I think that's going to be a problem. That's going to be an issue with them covering that. Uh, I don't, I think you're going to see New England run the ball quite a bit. They're going to try Tam, they're going to try possession time. Yeah. And reduce the options that Brady has. Will it be successful? Most likely not. But it it'll be a it'll be a brutal game. It'll be an interesting game. Probably be the highest ratings of any game this year. I mean, NBC will sell every little ad they can for this week. Definitely. The other big game that I want you to break down a little bit is your beloved Panthers <laughs> against America's team. I don't think they are anymore. Uh, the, the Cowboys and your Panthers a great start three and zero, and they picked up. Uh, a cornerback when they really needed one. Are you all on the bus for the Panthers this year? Uh, I said at the beginning of the year, I f- figure they would finish nine and eight, eight and nine. I still think that's what's going to happen. I mean, there, there's improvement. Uh, I don't think you're going to see, I mean, we're getting into the rougher part of the schedule. I, I am pleasantly surprised by how the defense has played. I hate to see Dan Arnold go, uh, but C.J. Henderson was a top six pick. I mean, their defense is based on man-to-man defense, which is a gamble, and blitzing and putting pressure on the quarterback. They lead the league in sacks. They lead the league in defensive average. They lead the league in uh, defensive pressures. I mean, they're the number one defense. They haven't been behind the entire season. And I do like the young defense with the mixture of some older players. Um, you know, lost Chase Horn, which was our number one draft pick, who's going to be a, a star. But uh, they're getting A.J. Bowie in, who was a former pro bowler. He's going to cover the, the slot receiver. I do like what they're doing on defense. Um if only like you had it. Luke Keekley still. If only. Oh, yeah. So we could talk him into coming back. Uh, de- offensively, you know, it's, it's a step in progress. They're just, you know, they're just telling Darnold not to make mistakes. They're making the caretaker quarterback. And that's okay. He's only 24 years old. So I like our set of wide receivers. Do I think we'll be the Cowboys? No, not in Dallas. If it was in Carolina, I'd give them a fighting chance. We'll probably lose by two touchdowns. But the team is getting better, and I see progress. I don't think we're a playoff team yet. If we are, we're going to barely. If we're a playoff team, it's because uh, the rest of the NFC teams are really bad, and that NFC West is pretty good. So I doubt that. But it's like I said, nine and eight, eight and nine, you know, ten and eight, ten and seven. Excuse me. I I see us in that range looking the rest of the season. So I'm I'm. I'm enthusiastic, probably more than you are about the Lions. But then again, your team gets the worst luck in the world. 
Yeah, the bounce over. That's the second time in their history that the new field goal record was kicked against them. And you know who it was, Tom Tom Dempsey, with the the foot that was partially stumped, kicked a 60, what was 61 back then, field goal? 63. Yeah, and then here's Tucker banging it, bouncing it up and over. Crazy crimes. Well, I'll tell you a little story about that Tom Dempsey kick, okay? Because I was watching on TV as a kid in nineteen seventy. Yeah, he played for the Saints and played. played for the Saints. Actually, the game was in Tulane Stadium, so it was outside in a rainstorm. And when they lined it up, the announcers thought the coach, which I think was Schmidt at that time. Yep, Joe he, Schmidt. He, Joe you Schmidt. He, they thought he was confused. Because remember, in 1970, the goalposts were on the goal line then, not on the back line. Uh, they were on the goal post. Goalposts were on the goal lines. So he was lining up the kick off of his own 45. And Tom Dempsey was born uh, with severe disabilities. He was missing an arm. He had a truncated foot, which had a special shoe that looked like a, a driver. And when they lined up and kicked it, I remember watching Alex Karras throw his helmet the entire rest of the length of the field. (laughs) Now, those of you who don't remember Alex Karras, please watch Blazing Saddles. He's Mongo. Mongo, only pawn in life. But, uh, I mean, I remember watching that. And I thought at that time, you'd never, ever see it beat. And it had been beat already. It had been tied by the uh, former Lions kicker had tied it. He Prater. used to be in Denver, Matt Prater. But, I mean, and the funny thing about that is, Paul, is they took too much time. The officials didn't flag them because then it would have been a 71-yard field goal. And they threw off a fourth and 29 to get the ball in that place to set up the kick. Yeah, crazy, crazy game. I didn't watch it. I was <laughs> having fun with my granddaughter. So um, as we're c- counting down our time a little bit, I want to get to college football uh, with you because we're right in the midst of it. Great games on Saturdays these days. And the more I watch Ernest, it just is so clear. Bama is so ahead of everybody else. But there's a, still some undefeated teams right now. Notre Dame won again. Arkansas all people. What do you think is the biggest surprise story of this year? Uh, Boston College. Boston College is the best team in the ACC. Boston College is undefeated. They play Clemson this weekend. Clemson will have five losses this year. Five? Five losses this year. Put it down. This is, I mean, unless they pull the quarterback, they're going to have that many. The Notre Dame-Cincinnati game is going to be one of the better games this year. Uh, Notre Dame's new defensive coordinator used to be the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. Cincinnati is the best non-conference uh, of five team that's around. They had Georgia all but beat in the Peach Bowl last year, but uh, last second field goal won it for uh, for Georgia. Uh, they got a great two-way quarterback. They have a vicious defense. I would not be shocked. I'll call it right now. I think Cincinnati will beat Notre Dame. And Michigan's got to play Wisconsin. Yeah, this, don't talk about that. that. <laughs> well, Wisconsin is, is... At Wisconsin. Yeah, but this is not your traditional Wisconsin team. They can't throw the ball. They've already lost to Notre Dame and Penn State. They're a one-dimensional team. they got a great defense. 
But I, I would favor Michigan in that game. I think Michigan will win and stay undefeated. Uh, I hope. Um, so I agree with some of your analysis earlier. Cincinnati is really a good team. Luke Fickle's done a great job there. They have them rated number seven in one poll, eight in another. I think the team that's next who's undefeated, who's really overrated to me, and I know this is the team you've loved from the beginning, Oklahoma. Oklahoma hasn't shown me hardly anything yet, and Rattler looks rattled. I think he's not a star quarterback. The fans even ch- chanted for the backup or the star freshman quarterback to come in and take his place. Uh, do you think Oklahoma's going to stay undefeated very much longer? They got a tough game with Texas. Uh, they'll have a tough game with Iowa State. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking they're at least going to get one loss. They've been a disappointment. Uh, that whole conference, I mean, West Virginia should have won that game. That conference is down. The ACC is down. I think the Pac-10 is better than we thought it was. I think the Big, the Big Ten is better. And the SEC is the Goliath that it always is. So, yeah, I think Oklahoma will lose. Right now, if you had to say who I think the final four would be, I would venture to say it's going to be Alabama, Georgia, whoever comes out between Iowa and Penn State and uh, Oregon. Yeah, um, Penn State looks really good. And the rumor, or they, maybe it was just a rumor that James Franklin's going to USC after this year. Uh, he's done a really good job at Penn State, um, and I, I agree that Arkansas, I just don't know how much longer they can keep this thing rolling like they are. And uh, Old Miss, well, three and you know, Kippen. You know they play this week. You know who Arkansas plays this week? Who's that? Georgia. Oh, goodbye, so Arkansas. Over. Yeah, yeah. That, it's like that's put the good. hog on the barbecue. They're going to be t- roasted. Yeah, but they, they kind of – punched a hole in Texas A&M. Texas A&M every year is a team that everybody talks about. But since Johnny Mizell left, they're a team that constantly disappoints. I mean, every year they put them in the top 10 and they lose early in the year and they get waxed by Alabama. And it's, it's, it's again, they're, they're one of those faux, you know, teams that we see those, those teams have the credentials but get more credit just because of Jimbo Fisher and the big contract he's getting. They don't really have the talent that I see that an Alabama has. I don't think they have the same amount of talent that LSU has. Ooh, ooh that's not saying much this year. So now, who do you, who do you think is coming out of the Big Ten? I think Penn, Penn State's going to come through. I think Ohio, Ohio State is going to have an off year for them. Um, and I think Penn State's going to come through. My buddy Tom Bradley would love this, that I've said it. But I've said, I think Iowa always starts out strong. I don't think they have a complete offense to pull it off. Eventually, they get exposed. I don't think Notre Dame has all the talent to get by. Um, You know, their quarterback, the Wisconsin transfer, he just looks so stiff to me. Their backup, the short little guy who's third string, looked like Rudy coming on the field and led them to a victory against Wisconsin. I really like the concept that they played in Chicago on Soldier Field. I like those type of games where half the, you can see half the crowd is one color, the other half is the other. Um, it's like I'm watching Dr. Pepper Fanville or something. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's like Texas Oklahoma when they play down in Dallas. Yeah, the shootout, the and Red one, River shootout. Yeah, the, the Red River. One side's scarlet, the other side's burnt orange. Or when Florida plays Georgia. 
the biggest cocktail party down in Jacksonville. Nice. I do, now, Notre Dame, I love Hamilton, Kyle Hamilton, their safety. He's going to be one of the top five picks in the NFL draft. And I like Mayer, the, the big tight end, the Gronk Jr. He's just a sophomore, so he'll be back at least another year. But you're right. I mean, the guy, he left, he lost his job at Wisconsin. And Wisconsin's a running team, and they're one-dimensional. And again, that's why I think Michigan will beat them up. But but it's it's Alabama, it's Georgia, and it's everybody else. That's it's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ernest, we're going to end with one more question. I know you love watching all forms of entertainment, and right now there's a lot of good things to watch on TV. Um, so what are you watching these days? And I know it's plenty of sports, but you're probably not in the pool anymore listening to baseball. So what are you watching these days? No, uh, like tonight I'll be watching Canadian football. So <laughs> that's how sick I am. I've been watching the, the last baseball, the last little bards. I'm I'm behind on a lot of the programming I've watched. There's a couple movies. I wanted to watch the new Clint Eastwood movie and and uh, the new Venom movie comes out. I'm supposed to take my grandchildren this week. Carnage. Yes, yes. Well, Woody Harrelson. You know, Woody Harrelson always does great. Any movie he does. And you got Bond coming out week after next. Dune comes out, which I'll be able to watch that at home. This is the second time they've tried to film Dune. So I really, my, my movie watching, uh, other than, there are two, seri- two series I watch all the time that I always make time for. And one of them is Archer, which is an animated spy spoof. And the other is What We Do in the Shadows, which is like if The Office was about vampires, which is hilarious. And both of them are on FX. So those are the only two I've really kept up with. Uh, everything else, until baseball ends, probably November, I'll start watching again. But right now, uh, hockey games are on. Basketball training camp started. <laughs> hockey preseason. I couldn't believe it. I looked on Sling TV yeah, and there's hockey yeah. preseason. I, oh, yeah. I'm gonna watch you're the watching Krakens. hockey preseason? I'm going to watch the, the Kraken's <sighs> first game. The it's Kraken's time for first intervention, game folks. Time for I know. I know. Way too bad in that respect. All right. Well, that's it for Pardon the Confusion this oh, week. Oh, can I do a real quick? Can I do a real quick one? You can do a real quick last one. one. All right. Okay. Listen. Sometimes people become a little too big for the britches. Yes, Kyrie, I'm talking to you. You can whine. You can come up with some conspiracy thing that you got off the Internet with the world is flat and everything. And same goes for you, Andrew Wiggins, also. If you don't believe me, listen to Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns lost his mother and lost 50 pounds to COVID. And it got so bad last year that he'd have anxiety attacks because of the loss of people in his family and because of him going through COVID. And I'm sorry if the town of San Francisco and the town of New York tell both of these gentlemen they can't play until they're inoculated, sit your butts down. Because you may not like it, but you're an example for other individuals. And this is a pandemic. So listen, I'm tired of Kyrie. I'm tired of Kyrie wanting to be the attention. I'm tired of Andrew... Wiggins thinking that he the world ends with him too. Okay, you've been traded by three other teams, guy. You're a mediocre small forward, dime a dozen. And Kyrie, the only reason you're still with the Nets is because KD stopped a trade. You being traded to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons, which would have made both teams a lot better. 
So guys, I'm tired of it. I don't hear it anymore. If you don't want to play, good. If you only want us to pay you, I don't care. But I don't need to hear about it. There you go, Paul. I like it. I like it. There's certain athletes just get on your nerves so much. It's like, no more. I'm done with you. All right. For Ernest Watts, this is Paul Arnold. Hope you enjoy Pardon the Confusion. And if you want to send us some topics or comments, send to me at gobluearnold at gmail.com. Yes, go blue. Want Michigan to win every week. And um, you can also check us out on sportscountry.net, sports radio, and hear other good, fine programming there as well. And so for Ernest Watts, this is Paul Arnold. Have a good night.